The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here to talk about today's press conference the Ravens did on the draft upcoming. Uh, EDC out there with John Harbaugh and Joe Hortiz, uh, people that know an awful lot about the Ravens draft direction and will tell us almost nothing about it in particularly <laughs> what is uh, uh, one of uh, often several liars luncheons uh, that you, you can get before the draft. Anyway, joining me to talk about this is Alec Pulianis. Alec, how are you doing? Doing well, Ken. Uh, excited to talk about this uh, Liars Luncheon. I wish I was there, you know? Yeah. Have some lunch. It seems like a nice little event. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know actually if there actually is lunch at this. It might just there be is. It's at 11. I saw it on okay. the board. <laughs> yeah, someone posted the schedule. So I guess they all have lunch first, and then they chit-chat. Yeah. Yeah, just, uh, well, of course the topic everybody wanted to ask about. And there were three questions about this in the first four minutes and 40 seconds was Lamar Jackson. How's Lamar Jackson contract going? Uh, and, and they tried to redirect and say, Hey, we're going to try and respect the process. EDC, you know, came out and said that is that he wants to respect the process and talk about um, the draft in, in mm -hmm. this particular uh, segment. Some of the panning across the panel there um, particularly, you know, the, the, the look on John Harbaugh's face with regard to Lamar Jackson's uh, uh, contract and what it got, a very stone countenance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, do you have thoughts on that? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw it and just, they look so uncomfortable up there um, with regards to those questions. And then we had the uh, interjection from like Ravens PR to like basically stop 
asking the questions. Um, yes. And I think that just like really set a tone. I I've watched a lot of these press conferences before. I never quite seen something like that. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, it was a, a a strange kind of a thing. There are three questions in the first four forty anyway. There, uh, they talked about the strong cornerback position, which is good. That's you know mm-hmm. obviously a, a, a directly addressing the draft and as an area of need for the Ravens. Uh, DeCosta mentioned there might be four, five, or even six guys who were first round talents. Yep, I'd agree with that. And I think it is nice we'll get into it later in his comments that there is depth at the places that they're most looking to address. Great, great point there. I'm I'm gonna sit down on the cornerbacks with Michael Crawford tomorrow. Uh nice. have that discussion and that should be out on uh Friday, I believe. So you'll have an extra long time where that's the podcast over the weekend to, to kind of get to. But Michael always has very good insights into draftable players and whatnot. And I, I have some uh, hot and cold guys of my own in this um, in the cornerback group. Uh, who, who do you really like out of that group? Do you have do you have one? Oh, Gonzalez is my favorite. I love okay. him. Yeah. I, I, when I first watched him, I was like, this is the best corner. And I still feel that way. He's my number one. Okay, I, I I understand why Gonzalez would be the first guy taken. And if it's just a question between Gonzalez and my guy, then I would take Gonzalez. If if you know they're both on the board mm-hmm. at the same time, and the Ravens are picking. That's not going to happen because Gonzalez no. will be gone long before the Ravens select. But the guy I really love, despite the some of the size limitations that are associated with him, is Malcolm Forbes. And mm-hmm. he, to me, he looks like a Marcus Peters esque player. Uh, in terms of his gambling instincts, it's just at an incredibly high level. Uh, guys made to play cover three zone corner, and uh, it'd just be very interesting to see him do that. He's got he's got good length and 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 whatnot, but uh, uh, but his his abilities his uh, uh, ability to read the quarterback and break on the football absolutely outstanding. And you know, replacing Peters with another Peters is just it's, it, it'd be very exciting. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a. Great prospect, number 21 on Jason's big board at the moment. Um, so right, right in that sweet spot for we, we could maybe draft him. Yeah. Could could be at the at the intersection of need and value streets, as I always say, when they get the Ravens get on the board at 22. It's got a bunch of players who might be there. There'll be some corners left, mm-hmm. I presume. At that point, I don't think we're going to have a run of you know four or five corners that are going to go all in a row like we saw the wide receivers go last year. Uh, I think there's some graduation. And I think there's actually, because of that, I think there's going to be some impetus to wait at corner. Uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of teams. So we'll uh, we'll see if the Ravens get their guy at 22. Yeah, I think that's going to play in both the wide receiver and the corner position. Um, because of the abundance, there might be a little bit of, well, we wanted to get the last guy. You know what would be the, the first yeah. one to take? Um, so so uh, DaCosta mentioned the fans will be happy. It's a strong receiver <laughs> class. I think I'm pretty well uh, coaching that. And, and, you know, I, I would kind of hope Eric DaCosta, particularly this time of year, is not being a slave to Twitter. And he mentioned one scout who was definitely not on Twitter at the end mm-hmm. of the thing. I want to talk about him when we get down to that that, that part mm-hmm. of the conference. But uh, I would hope he's not being a slave to Twitter too much because, boy, you don't want to pick anybody but a, but a wide receiver if you look at the Ravens <laughs> fans on Twitter. I mean, just there's the, the I think they're much more likely to pick a corner than a wide receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and when I say much more likely, 45. 35 at, at corner and 20 at the field is where I would still have it about right now. Uh, but I just think there's, there's a, there's a high probability they end up picking a corner. Sure. I think so too. It just makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I also think if you uh, aren't steadfast on assuming 22 is going to be a Ravens pick, 
then it's reasonable to trade back and get both of those guys in the 40s and 50s and and feel pretty good about who you got. So um, I would love that strategy, but I don't, even though, you know, EDC opened up basically broadcasting, he's interested in acquiring more picks. And I think specifically interested in acquiring picks in the first 85, like before that third round pick, like (laughs) that's where they're at. Okay. So I'm going to look at the draft tech thing here. The Ravens have 1,025 total JJ points this year, 780 of them over Mm -hmm. 75% are in that number one pick. If they don't trade down with the number one pick, they're not really picking up, uh, picking up picks of much value. They they, they might be picking up extra six, extra seven for trading down in a, in a, in the fourth round kind of thing, but they're not, it's not going to be a real exciting accumulation of additional picks. He, I thought one of the interesting things that, that he mentioned was that they'd had a number of consecutive years with additional picks. This is a year where they're light on picks. It, they they want to get more picks, but on the other hand, they've had some problems getting everybody a spot on the roster year mm-hmm. after year. Obviously, this has g- contributed to them breaking their uh, UDFA streak as well, though I didn't didn't really mention that. Um, and and it's it is a is a question: is do you really have enough room if you are consistently beating the hell out of the compensatory draft system? Yeah, no, I think that this is that's kind of getting to my point. I think they want to. They have more needs than 75% of their draft capital to attack a problem. Yes, right? exactly. Great and, point. And they just they need to split it. So it's like splitting your hand in uh, blackjack, right? <laughs> like yeah. It's a smart play. Uh, I really am hoping that they're able to do it. I think if they do pick there, it's like either a guy that's super high up on their board, a, like a la Hamilton, that they decide to pick there, or uh, there's just no one to tango. So yeah. uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I definitely agree with you. Um, and with Tacosta, I think they they can't draft more than six or seven guys. Like they might want more picks, but they really just I feel like if they draft more than that, you're going to get into problems of how they make the team unless there's a a bunch of injuries we don't want. Yeah, I mean there there will be some of that, and they have some flexibility with the you know fifty fourth through fifty seventh guys in terms of of getting a Brent Urban, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know on the on the temporarily. I cut yeah. the section, but anyway, he was very classy about that. Really appreciate that for, for, from the interview. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that split we're talking about though. And this is where I think this is really important is more like splitting aces than splitting eights. You know, it's it, what you're describing. And, and I, I agree with the strategy anyway. I mean, I think they really need to trade down. Um, it's more like defensive splitting of I've got a, I've got a hand that possibly can't possibly suit my needs now. And I have to have to trade down. Um, if they get full value, great. If they don't, I'd, I'd be kind of upset with that. And we can we could, you know, have some long discussions about what constitutes full value, whether it's a, a Rich Hill type value or or whether it's a JJ type value. But I, I think by broadcasting this, there is the possibility the Ravens will reduce their chance to get full value in trade down for that selection. Mm-hmm. I think it barely does um, because I think it's no secret that the Ravens are always interested in more picks and trading back. Uh, he mentioned that they've done it nine times in the last four years. So they're very uh, used to it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, that's a, you know, certainly a, a good thing. Uh, he, he did say he was kind of confident, I believe was the word he used that he'd get more, be able to get more picks. Um, one of the, the early good questions that related to QB, but was actually a pivot question on somebody told they couldn't ask a question about Lamar Jackson, was, 
are you looking at QB differently in this draft? And he said, I think we really are. Underscored best player available. They really want to be agnostic about their positions. Not exactly his words. I'm paraphrasing. But, uh, you know, they've got their board. They've got quarterbacks in the top 31 was something he said later. Is there, it, is there a possibility to drop, <laughs> draft a quarterback? Sure, there's a possibility. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and there is a single scenario where at 22, if there's a certain quarterback still on the board, which I would be absolutely stunned and floored by, um, then I'd be like, fine. I don't even care if Lamar's on the, on the roster. I'd take him and I would say, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Like yeah. I, I, I'd be very willing to do that. Um, so is, is Levis your guy or is, is uh, AR 15? It's all AR 15. Yeah. Levis, I'm, Levis I'm doesn't, bad. doesn't exist to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Um, uh, but, uh, but I'd be very excited about AR 15. I, 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 you know, the, the range of places where he could go is so great in this draft that, that that's a, you know, he could go in the top five. Four. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he could go as, he could go as, as early as four is, is definitely true. Uh, or, or he could end up, uh, you know, I could see Levis being the guy who goes ahead of him. If the Colts end up taking Levis, you know, at number four, or trade down even to get Levis, which would be, I think, a very smart strategy by them. Then there's a possibility that, that uh, uh, AR-15 goes to Seattle at number 20, the Ravens at number 22, there's, there's, there's a few different possibilities where he could end up landing. I still think it's fairly unlikely he gets out of the first round, but that's still a lot of variation for a franchise, a potential franchise quarterback uh, in terms of where they might go. Not as much as Malik Willis last year. Yeah. But a lot of variation. <laughs> if he gets past seven, that's why I said last night on our show, if he gets past seven, I will be very surprised. And I think then it's uh, all up in the air. Um, it, his, his fall could be more than I expected, but uh I have a feeling he's going to go very early. Um, I, I don't think it's even outside the realm of possibility. He goes number one. I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be shroud, but mm-hmm. um, I, I would applaud it if they did that. I think it's very uh, ballsy, but it, I would be like, okay, I see you. I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, uh, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, some good information. I thought that the Hortiz didn't answer a lot of questions um Mm -hmm. on this but he did answer a good question about todd monken that he got todd monken input but um you know one of the good things and how does a new offensive coordinator impact your you know who you think about drafting uh he said monken says i'm very versatile you give me players i'll do the best i can with them kind of thing loved hearing that Mm -hmm. absolutely loved hearing that i'm not sure we would have gotten any different party line but i loved hearing that it sounded genuine coming from him and it sounds correct based off everything we've heard about Munkin and his philosophy towards the game. And uh, that's what makes me excited about him. I think he's a chameleon offensive coordinator. He'll take what you give him and he'll make an offense that works. And I, I think that's a really excellent place to be for this franchise where they're at right now. And also just in general, I think that's the NFL teams change year over year. Yes, you have a core, but being flexible and willing to change for your personnel is, is key. Right. Absolutely. Uh, EDC was asked, how often, how does five picks impact your strategy? Only having five picks. And he's had an interesting answer there. He said he didn't have the same anxiety to watch a ton of players, given that they don't have, you know, six picks in round four. I think they had five picks entering the day and then they picked up a sixth in round four, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so without all those low round picks, 
and they do they do have a pick in the sixth round, but they don't have a you know a pick of the fifth, pick of the sixth, that he doesn't have the same anxiety to make sure he watches a larger field of draftable players. I I, I paraphrase some there. I, I it's I'm, I'm glad he's feeling less anxious about the thing. I don't think he would really ever let himself off the hook in terms of watching as much tape as he possibly could until what is effectively New Year's Eve for a general <laughs> manager. You know, the most important day of the year in terms of the biggest party of the year too, in terms of of uh, ha- having draft day. But on the other hand, I look back to the draft two years ago and the fact that they didn't have a pick after round five. And I think they significantly wasted that last pick on Ben Mason. Mm -hmm. I think they might have reached on some earlier players, most notably Brandon Stevens. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was a, it was a draft. I'm not particularly happy about the outcome from. Uh, So if you're, if, if they're really, um, if 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 I am being correct in hearing what he's saying here, I hope the Ravens still have plenty of options for round six and seven. I hope their 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 scouts, the people mm-hmm. in the room, are all as prepared as ever to draft in those rounds. When you know you might get Geno Stone or you might get another player of real value in round six or seven. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, just just want to make sure they're there. Yeah, and. I would, uh, I'll say this, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about this draft with uh, Jason and his big board. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's really just saying there's not that many draftable players this year compared to last year. And like, that's his like around about way of saying that. Um, obviously I, I think they'll be prepared for all, all stages of the draft. Um, but I'd also get the sense that maybe they're also taking the approach of they like certain tiers of guys and they just have confidence based on their you know experience with the draft that they could pick and choose from those tiers confidently they will get everyone they want to get like they have their favorites so to speak um and with only five picks like they're going to get five of those guys um so they're almost thinking of the draft that way where they've seen enough (laughs) to know um that they're going to be happy but uh i i just like i didn't read too much into that i think it might just be uh um I don't know wisdom over the years. Like he's like, I'm not sure. going to stress myself out. Yeah, that could be. That could be. We we heard a couple times during this this uh, uh, press conference how he's been doing this for 28 years now. So mm-hmm. uh, that was interesting, you know. And and you know, one reporter asked a question about, uh, are you concerned about a receiver? And and you know the the questions that come and and uh, with with you know having Pro Bowlers everywhere else, but not having Pro Bowlers or receiver. And goes, you know what? If, if it wasn't that, it'd just be another position you'd be asking about. It's a great answer. I, I, yeah. I really loved it. It kind of made light of the situation to the, to the appropriate degree and also framed it up in a way that I think is very fair. That, you know, consider all the successes we've had <laughs> correctly at every, pretty much every other position in terms of pro bowlers being drafted and high rate of pro bowlers with early picks and using draft capital just effectively generally as well as pretty much any other team in the NFL has over the, the Ravens' entire uh, time here. And you know, I think it speaks for itself that DaCosta and Newsom have been the biggest cons, um, uh, constants in the NFL, in the entire league, in, in, in terms of drafting since the Ravens came into the league. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Quarterbacks. Got asked about more of that. Like how many quarterbacks would not be a complete rebuild? He mentioned about four guys, but then he said you can get a good QB in any round. I think obviously he's talking about four guys who he thinks could maybe start in year one. And it's the four everybody's thinking about in terms of uh, uh, Richardson, Stroud and uh, uh, Levis and who am I forgetting? Number two pick probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> forget him. And, uh, so, so uh, anyway, the 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 uh, the guys at the top of the draft, he believes, you know, they're going to rebuild on the fly. But he also thinks they can get what I suspect he would term project quarterbacks in a middle round. Yeah, I think there are some really decent candidates later um, in the draft that they could they could pick on. Um, I think that we had that discussion too last night about. I think this is a, a year where drafting a quarterback makes a lot of sense, not just because of the Lamar situation, but because of the Huntley situation. You got to restart that clock. Um, yeah. I mean, they do have Brown that is an option for the clock restarting, but um, I think bringing another quarterback into the building will happen this year. It's just a matter of who. And there are some really nice prospects where they're not going to rock your socks off. I don't think they'll ever be a top 10 quarterback, but they can definitely be a uh, top 18 and that gets you to the playoffs because you have a good team. Otherwise, um, so I think they're just being open and honest about that. This quarterback draft has some of those candidates and they're also uniquely in a position to accept that. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. And I think that's uh, um, your analysis there, I think is very good. I think the, the Ravens are likely to, to bring in a quarterback and, and uh, try and at least have a competition there. I thought it was, it was a quality competition with Anthony Brown last year. I thought having him around was a, was a positive thing. Obviously he ends up playing a game in the regular season because mm-hmm. Huntley got hurt after Lamar, but even just what was happening during the preseason, I thought it's always healthy to have that. And I think that the Ravens had a legitimate question on their hands in terms of resetting the clock, even last year. And now they've got a huge question with regard to resetting the clock. Cause uh, Anthony, I'm sorry, not Anthony Brown, not Tyler Huntley, but a free agent at the end of this year, a, a UFA, he's an RFA this year. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about, they asked, somebody asked about Patrick Queen's fifth year option, not the forum, obviously, but uh, DaCosta immediately used his question badminton racket and, and <laughs> swatted it away and said, that's a discussion we'll have to have with Patrick. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear the Ravens are not going to give Patrick Queen the fifth year option if they have any way they can deal with that before. When you, when uh, connecting this back to the draft, there are, three ways the Ravens can get more pick picks that really make sense. Number one is they can trade down from 22 and it's really got to be 22. Cause that's the only amount of value. And we talked about that early. So we don't need to repeat it. Number mm-hmm. two, they can trade Lamar mm-hmm. and we hope it doesn't happen, but it might. And if it does, that's a lot of additional draft capital right now. The Ravens are one of the poorest draft capital teams in the entire NFL missing their second round pick. Um, and uh, there are a couple teams below, but it's, but, but there aren't many in terms of mm-hmm. having really limited draft capital. And number three is they can trade Patrick Queen. And it's a question of what value you get for him. Uh, but it's also a question of designing your roster so you don't have to end up paying two inside linebackers. And I really don't think they want to set themselves up with a big nut on the books for Patrick Queen in 2024 when they may need to franchise Lamar again. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, they have to make that decision, I think, a week or two after the draft, if I recall correctly. That's yeah, like and- May something, May 7th maybe. Yeah. So we'll find out then. Um, I, what do you, what are your ch- chances, I guess, of him getting traded? Do you have an odds on that? 
Yeah, of him getting traded. Um, they will do everything they can because they will lose value if they don't unload him here. So, it, it, okay, so I'll put on my GM hat for a moment. If they if uh, if they keep Queen under the current contract on which he's he's you know he didn't make the Pro Bowl, which is actually a very good thing for Ravens fans and for Ravens. If you're a Ravens season ticket holder, or if you're a Ravens, whatever, I mean, making the Pro Bowl yeah. would have been the worst thing in the world because he would have his salary would have jumped significantly. It would have got a significant escalator mm-hmm. out of it. So right. he didn't make the Pro Bowl, um, even though he played well, and uh, he will uh, be around for year four at a at a reasonable salary, and then in in year five. Uh, he'll be around, and I forget what the number is at inside linebacker, but it's it's somewhat significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he'll he'll he would then be around for that. They they can't afford to franchise him for sure, but they they might hold him around on the fifth year contract. Um, if they if they decide the fifth year value is too much, then they basically have truncated a fair amount of the value of Patrick Queen because somebody else doesn't believe the fifth year value is too much. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to believe that's reasonable. So, if if they cut it off, they cut off value of Patrick Queen that they then have in the organization, have in the organization, and they can't trade him for as much. So, I don't think I think the chance that he plays with the Ravens this year on the salary is not is not insignificant, but it's also not the not the outcome they want. I agree with that. I think it's uh, unfortunate that the business of football is like that, but uh, he's just um, there. There's he's depreciating value right now. And it's basically, I always look at him as a one-year rental, almost uh, like a, mm-hmm. almost like an in-season trade, if, if you may, of uh, we, we trade a third round pick or whatever. He'll get us back um, to have his services for the year. That is a, that's a <laughs> great point is that's exactly how you should look at it as a GM. So what, we didn't have to trade any pick to get Patrick Queen. We, well, no, we, we, we gave up the right of a third round pick and that's exactly how you should look at it. Um, the Ravens obviously will have to look at their weak side linebacker position and look at their ability to platoon. I think they've got great ability to platoon in house. Mm-hmm. I think they have that right now. And, and Hey, if, if the other situation is you draft another safety um, or, or don't even draft another safety, get another safety. The safeties are cheap as hell to find, whether <laughs> it's a free agency after the draft, whether it means you, you find that guy as a UDFA that they like again. I mean, they're, they're very easy to find. Ozzy proved that time after time in terms of dimebacks. Um, they can easily platoon at that weak side linebacker spot if that's the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling that's it it's that easy it's time to rethink recycling with renew Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's what they want to do. Yep, for sure. I think it's, they're moving in that direction and based on Queen's market, uh, we'll decide how fast. Yeah, I like I like the way you think about that particular thing, and and it's kind of like the go for it on fourth down situation. There's risk in going for it on fourth down, sure. There's a lot of risk in not going for it on fourth down. That's yeah. you know you you, <laughs> you punt the ball away, the other team may drive up the field and you know score the winning touchdown or or or, or get the score that puts you in a bad position. But um, you, every path in life has risk associated with it, and if, if there's truly a risk riskless path, the other path doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, no, I, that's the way you look at that problem. I do. Yeah, I, I look at I, I've been very molded by uh, the, the Rush lyric and free will of <laughs> if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Oh, that's a good uh, one. I put it in, put it in song <laughs> so, Very good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We heard a, 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 a good little snippet from John Harbaugh about the value of Chuck Smith and having just on the edge uh, position with Vasilarikos. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, very telling just how many players kept coming up that don't really have a refined toolkit and would really benefit from uh, working with Chuck Smith. And I think he's, he's going to, I really expect him to do wonders for the um, outside linebacker group. I hope he's a guy the Ravens can retain for a couple of years, at least, because I think he'd do wonders. Assistant coaches, they tend to move along when they're position coaches and they get coordinator roles. If Chuck Smith has a big year with um, Owe and Ajabo, you'd have to figure he's either going to get a big money opportunity somewhere else which hopefully the Ravens could match or, or a big increase in um, uh, responsibility opportunity that he can't pass up, whether that means a, a larger defensive assist, assistant defensive coordinator role or an actual defensive coordinator role or whatever it might be. But uh, really looking forward to Chuck Smith. He, he referenced back to 2008 training camp. Chuck Smith apparently was in the building with the Ravens. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he didn't. I, I didn't realize it either. And and honestly, I didn't know who this guy was until um, we acquired him a couple months back or whatever it was. Um, but there was a lot of like hype on Twitter about it, so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, great. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like this is a uh, nice acquisition. You always can remember that uh, coaches don't count against the cap, so a uh, great way to exploit the cap, so to speak, and get more value out of the players that do. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, absolutely true. I'm sorry, I got distracted here for a second. Um, talked about the th- the big three wide receiver prospects, and we're back over over to Hortiz for this one. Um, and you know, he, I think, gave us a fair amount on each of them in terms of what they bring. Then there was another question that came back about the next two guys. So so uh, the next two guys were Flowers and Quentin Jefferson. The first three were. Um, oh, I don't have it in front of me right now. I'm sorry. I'm blanking. Yeah. I don't remember. Did he, 
they ask about three the big three wide receivers or those are those your words the, the no i think he, they mentioned him by name and they and they and they uh. asked about the three big wide receivers and anyway ortiz had, had comments to make about each of them and flowers and jefferson and um you know i thought the interesting point about that and this is something that that i completely agree with is really need to watch how drops occur so the hand placement drops so they focus drops you know trying to get up the field he didn't mention every type but but it, it was a, it was a really good point in terms of of grading receivers and that was uh that was something i liked from his comments he didn't answer too many questions on the day but there were times yeah. when i felt like um joe should have been answering the question not harbaugh <laughs> yeah and there was a few times where it looked like they did a a little uh, handoff so to speak to see who's going to talk but um I find it interesting. Like the reason I was asking you about big three wide receivers, I don't, I don't really see it as big three. Um, and I also, like, I just find it very interesting to see how everyone views these wide receivers because um, there are just a lot of differing opinions of even the top guys and, and where to rank them. So uh, they did talk about Johnson and his ability to catch. And also um, that's something I've been reading up on more this year. Um, I, uh, I've always listened to Matt Waldman, but this is my first year buying his RSP. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Uh, he does this huge, huge breakdown. It's like a, over 1,100 pages of <laughs> huh. people. No, many, I, don't, I do not get that. I, I'm, I'm going to take a look at that, I think. Yeah, he, um, he does this huge thing, and uh, he, he always talks about like clap attacking the ball and different hands techniques, mm-hmm. um, and it's like very deep on each person and, and how they catch the ball. And um, and that's something that I've been learning more about this year in my process. And, uh, you know, it's something I've, I've noticed, you know, I've seen, but uh, it's also, it's nice to have actual words for it. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about it a little bit of the tight end uh, thing. Cause I mean, double catching the football is bad, but most tight ends don't do that. They have the big hands and they single catch mm-hmm. the ball. The thing that the tight ends, some of them are really adept at catching the ball away from their bodies. Some of it like it right on top of their bodies. And I think that leads to drops. I, I don't like that at all. Mm-hmm. And the Patrick, the Patrick Queen missed interceptions. A couple of them from last year. One where he caught it like right next to his face mask, and it bounced off through his hands and and off the mask. You give yourself an additional chance to tip it to yourself if you catch it a little bit away from your body. So mm-hmm. anyway, absolutely love that stuff. Um, the Costa was asked about the lack of free agents, and he said we signed a lot of guys who wanted back. Never been a big free agency team. The draft will always be our biggest and best way to improve the team. Um, I, there's an important point here is that the Ravens really cannot sign anyone more before the draft at this point. They've, they've almost codified that with comments today, but they didn't say why. And But the reason is that they have a fourth round compensatory pick coming back for powers. It was already kind of a gut-wrenching move, I'm sure, to have to give up the money for Aguilar and also know they're losing a sixth round pick that they would have had for Josh Oliver. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's meaningful additional draft capital. And if you're in the form of, Hey, I want more draft picks. Well, don't trade away a draft pick. You just trade away <laughs> a draft pick for, for, and, and no, we didn't, we didn't have it yet. No, you did have it and you trade it and you let it get away. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, you know, it was a, it was a, a kind of manna from heaven, a gift, that they that they got a, a you know a huge contract for Oliver maybe they were expecting it but mm-hmm. uh, but I sure wasn't and uh, and that was uh, you know it's it's a shame that they couldn't hold on to that I'm curious how much they value a six round compensatory yeah. pick because it's effectively a seventh round pick right and there are like no JJ points so at that point it's really just uh, getting 
a I, I think of like round six and seven as the they're not quite UDFAs, <laughs> preferential UDFA treatment. Um, and I, that's worth something. Don't get me wrong. Um, because yeah. we've seen plenty of great players come out of the sixth and seventh round, uh, mostly the six, but uh, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think it was curious for them to give up that late sixth round pick. Um, I it, it soured me on the Aguilar acquisition, frankly. Like when I first heard about it, I was nonplussed. And then when I heard we lost the compensatory pick, I was like, that's a bridge too far. <laughs> pissed. Just pissed. Yeah. I mean, it just, I, 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 yeah, he's, he better really take the top off the defense in terms of, of, uh, of his contributions to the Ravens offense. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, and, and why be mad at the player? It's not, yeah. No, not, not he, he put that deal in front of the, in, it, it, the team put it in front of him. And that's, that's where you can get upset, I think. And if you look at the Ravens' six round success in their history, sure, they've had plenty of misses, but the, the, the hits they've had have been really good ones. Chuck Clark, Adilis Thomas were both mm-hmm. six round draft picks. They mentioned Tarad Taylor. Um, in the press conference today, I mean, but uh, the Ozzy Smith, I can always get you a cheap dime back is, is often predicated on a sixth round pick. And it was also a guy, if, if he spent as much as a sixth round pick on it, he was also getting a core special teams player. So you're getting a, you know, a combination of real high leverage defensive play plus a core special teams player. And he was just ex- extremely adept at that, at finding the guys who really met that, uh, uh, that profile. Uh, what else we got here? Let's see. Uh, Harbs' comments about receivers and having superpowers to overcome their size was just kind of like some comic relief. Um, I, I, you know, this was interesting. I thought the question of will the presence of a Jabo and Owe impact the decision to draft an edge? And EDC responds with, "If Will Anderson is there, I think we'll take him." <laughs> well, yep. you know, this, that's good. That's why this it's the badminton racket. Of course, he's not, he, it does influence the Ravens likelihood of going after an edge and if faced in a, in a situation where they have an edge in a corner, I think they're probably going to take a corner if they're roughly equal on the board. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you know, it was Hortiz who finally mentioned the importance of Sam characteristics. And it was a fleeting comment. It might've even been more than what the Costa really wanted to give away during the meeting. But it's the kind of thing where he talked about, you know, different characteristics, guys who play well in space, guys who can drop from the line of scrimmage. And, you know, saying that those two things, which are basically very similar things about playing well in space and dropping from the line of scrimmage is telling me the Ravens are really focused on getting a Sam linebacker this year, as opposed to a pure rush guy. But then Ortiz reversed himself and said, but if, Hey, if we can get a pure, um, you know, huge rush guy, he had some word for it that was that indicated that they would be amenable to that too. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I listened to your edge commentary with um, Voss and I agree, like doesn't hurt to get more of those kind of guys, keep them in a rotation. Uh, they've effectively lost one so far with Houston being gone. Um, so there, there, did, there are Houston get signed. Well, he's not currently signed. Right. And JPP is yeah. not currently signed either. As far right. as I know. Yeah. But they're, they're both one of those two probably comes back. Yeah, so. probably probably JPP. I I couldn't remember if JPP had a two year deal. It's that he gets money this year, regardless. <laughs> he counts against this year's cap. That's how they like structured it. Um, so he is gone, not currently on the roster, but yeah, he will get money from us. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting time. One thing that I would love to know, and I don't think I'll ever have the pleasure of knowing, is do they rate their board with that positional need in mind? 
so would that edge player already be behind the corner or are they looking at the board and being like, well, we know we don't want like, you know, is it, I'm wondering how baked in those biases are into their board. Right. So sweet holder events in the past, this is a long time ago. Now we're talking about 2009, 2010. They would take you right into the draft room after the board had been taken down and the draft had occurred, but you would still see all of these individual plaques that they would post up for each team. The plaques themselves individually had a series of dots on them that meant different things. So red star is the famous one. A red star player is one that some individual scout is going out on a limb for saying, I love this guy as a Raven plays like a Raven. He'd be perfect for us. Yada, yada, yada kind of thing. And, and those players were, were marked with a red star. If you were a three-year starter, you got a half a pink dot. If you're a four-year starter, you got a full pink dot. If you were a, uh, let me think some, there's some combination of various combine test profile, uh, combine tests that if you got so much in three categories, then you would get a blue dot. Uh, and the big one was a black dot. You get a black dot if you had an injury question or if you had a um, off-field character concern. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I guess it's I guess it's generalized character concern. And there, the Ravens did actually have a black dot player that they drafted that year's Arthur Jones uh, on the year I saw, saw the board like that. And, and that ended up turning very well, but he dropped in terms of where the Ravens had him. To get back to your original question, I think they have an agnostic board they're working from, and then they fit in need at the time of the pick. So I think they're saying, well, these three guys are all better and they're all 7.5s and we're drafting a seven here if we go down to draft this corner, but we don't really need a quarterback, a tight end or a, you know, three tech. Mm -hmm. And so they might, you know, they might legitimately do it that way, but I, I think they keep their board agnostic and that's why they've got this, um, you know, BPA board uh, is, is a starting point. I think it's a good way to do it. I mean, you know, what I would always say is separate the factors as much as you possibly can and how you're doing it. So don't com- create a combined form that already includes the two factors. It's, it's a naturally fluid situation. You want to be able to react to that on draft day. Yep. And I think that makes sense. Um, now we've kind of talked through it that your needs also do change as you make more picks. So keeping the board unfiltered uh, by need makes sense. Uh, I thought one of the best questions of the day came right at the very end is what have misses taught you over the years? And whoever it was, might've been Viviano, might've been somebody else said, you know, obviously you've had a lot more hits than misses over the years, but um, what have the misses taught you? And he said, whenever, when, when we've missed, it's often been a case of, um, need competing with value. It didn't say it exactly that way, but that's exactly what it is. It's need competes with value. Um, if, if you have a BPA board and you can draft by it, and he did address this to some degree, he said, generally speaking, you're going to do pretty well, even if it's a, a, over multiple years. Um, but, but it's once you start imposing need on your BPA board, on your value board, that you end up potentially going awry. And, oh, this guy's the last cornerback. We got to have it because we need a cornerback. Kind of thing is where you you know need comes in and you'll often you know end up with not as good a result on the pick as you as you might hope to have. Um, I got one more thing to say, but uh, hear your thoughts on that. Oh no, you go ahead. 
I, I thought the other the other thing actually is different. But but tell me what you think about that first. I definitely think that there is um, it. There's always like a little bit of game and shit going on in the draft as far as amount of guys in a tier and and not being left holding the bag. Um, I think it is a good point though. It is. I think that there might be bad picks made when the scarcity is getting high. Yep. Um, and I think that's something that they know about. You got to get all that corrected in the pre-draft process when they do their simulations and their war rooming. That's, um, I think, how you can best learn um, where those tendencies are in this year's draft and like how you feel about them. It's better to live it now than, than three weeks from now. So um, I think there will always be times for a situation you didn't quite see coming or, you know, the results make you look back differently on the process. But um, I, I am confident in their war gaming uh, that they're able to kind of predict the future of how this draft will play out. And having gone through those decision points before the actual day helps a lot. Yeah. I, it would be interesting to, to see if the Ravens do any mock drafting where they try and get people who are outside the building, because that would make a lot of sense. Cause you don't want the same people who've heard all the exact same things from your scouts mm-hmm. evaluating players and making the decisions on those bases. You know, it, it, this might be an area where you go to um, some really well-known bloggers for each team say, and you try yeah. and find ones for all the other 31 teams that are not the Ravens. You have one of your own guys do the Ravens or your own draft room. Do the, do the Ravens sure. for you and, and, you know, try and figure out if that would work. But I think that would be an interesting way to war game your way through it. The problem is you're also giving out information. If you do that, if you, if you, if you then have the Ravens have, you know, taken so-and-so off the board at that point, well, then that, you know, kind of gives away some of your own drafting strategy. So I, it, it, it might be the kind of thing hire Brian Billick and a bunch of other people who are, uh, you know, coaches who have left the game and whatnot. And then it gets in a question of does, does Brian Billick still stay in tune with it enough to know all the players who are on a draft board in 2023. And I, I don't, I just don't know the answer to that. He might, he might not. Potentially. Yeah. Get a bunch of people from the end of the bar, have them uh, <laughs> use some draft picks. That's what it would be. That's yeah, what it but would I, be. I do think I'm trying to think how you could like do this without a, uh without tipping your hand too much. Yeah. You could always just be like, here's the board, make your selection, go to the next person. Here's the board, make your selection. And they don't get to see who anyone else has picked. No, that's, um, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not <laughs> you bad. know, like you, why do you care who else has been picked? You already see how the boards went. You can, you can infer you, who, that. These so you only went. get the board when it's your turn to select. Correct. But then that also does take a component of the war game away because you can't say, well, a player drops six spots further than I thought I'd like to move up eight to get him. You, you can't mm-hmm. make that trade. So it's, it, you lose a yeah, without, value. Well, yeah, without trading. Yeah, it's super hard. So yeah. you'd have to organize it from a third party that's not associated with the Ravens uh, unless you yeah. knew their uh, you know books. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's how you could do it. Yeah, you could. I guess you could have an NDA, but it's it's really just too important to. Uh, no, they, I, yeah, to, I agree. They wouldn't it's do it. High risk. All right. Well, it did say one other really interesting thing I thought in terms of what he's learned from the misses. And that is that you can't discount a negative minority report. And he mentioned one specific scout. And this was really interesting. Ron Marcinak is being a guy who didn't give a crap what other, what other scouts thought of players. And so he had a, he had a first round guy. He, he could toss an undraftable, uh, tag on him and that he'd, he'd occasionally done that 
<laughs> and you know, we look back at that. There were there were cases where where you know the guys were out of the league in three years. Mm-hmm. So for you know, a guy from the past who has a Baltimore connection, Aaron Maven was a guy who was built like a wide receiver and trying to make it as a pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, there were there were some doubts about his frame at the time, but people fell in love with the quickness and the and the bend and whatnot that he had, and and basically hand waved away all of the I'm way too small to play you know edge at 228 or whatever 225 or whatever he was, uh, and, but I'm I'm thinking of him as being a specific player that Marcinac might not have liked and and might have said you know he's undraftable at that size he just can't play the play, can't yeah. play the position. I uh, I appreciated that. I definitely think there's a lot of value, and I'm curious how much the Ravens are able to pull this off, where they don't pay attention to everyone else's opinions until much later in the and and then how much they let that weigh in on their decision making. Um, I try to stay as pure as I can, in a way, with uh, looking at prospects. Unfortunately, I always have to look somewhere to get an idea of who the heck these people are, uh, because I don't watch enough college football to, to have an opinion. But um, it. It is important to me in my process, and I think it should be for anyone who like cares about this enough <laughs> to like put their name on these players. That it's your thoughts. It's it's who you need to have a grade on. And um, I think there is a lot of value in one one bad scout. Like I, I think when people are really negative on these young men, uh, they're doing it for hopefully a, a very valid reason in their minds, and then it's not just to you know they, they even said that in the press conference. They don't want to smear anybody, um, right. you know. So you're always looking optimistically in this time frame, uh, trying to figure out what these people can be with their traits. But um, there is value in, in knowing when you want to take a stand and say, no, this is not a player for me and not for this organization. Right. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they definitely did reference some of that in terms of the injuries and whatnot. And they said in terms of injuries, they don't take anybody off their board. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that they ever addressed directly taking people off the board for character concerns. But I do know that they passed on Larry Tunsil to pick Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. That is the most classic character concern thing ever. I mean, wouldn't even, I don't even think it'd be considered nearly as, as significant today with marijuana so widely um, available and used, but just some of the judgment that went along with it was not good. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that there's a video out there of him wearing a pot mask is, is not a good thing for purposes of him realizing, hey, I'm going to be playing in the NFL. I ought to take care of myself. I ought to, you know, right. be, keep myself in a better position than that. Um, I, I, just, I, I think the Ravens have, have had significant character concerns in the past that where they, which has caused them to pass on players. For sure. All right. Outstanding. Uh, I thought, you know, pretty interesting conference in, in, uh, in total. Once they got past a, a lot of the Lamar stuff, there was a lot of little interesting tidbits about the draft that were, that were fun to hear. Um, any other points you want to make before we call it off? It was very refreshing to get a conference that wasn't about Lamar, frankly. Uh, there's so much more to talk about this time of year. And uh, I was glad that we did get those tidbits. So looking forward to the draft. Hope that uh, it falls nicely for us and we're able to make some really high quality picks. Oh, me too. Uh, Alec, uh, it's been a pleasure. Tell people where they can talk football with you. Sure. You can find us at one winning pod on Twitter, one winning pod.com. Um, and also on YouTube, one winning pod. We just put out our offensive player um, discussion today. We'll do our defensive discussion next week. And then we'll have uh, kind of our red star episode where we talk about the players. We really want the Ravens to target our favorite guys for the Ravens and at values that kind of makes sense with what we are dealing with. And uh, yeah, I'll kind of wrap it up for this season. And you'll be uh, you'll be joining us from the Netherlands on on draft night. 
That's my hope, man. Because I, I I can't imagine not seeing the first round. There's too much at stake for the Ravens. I just care about seeing how this plays. I also care about seeing how these like quarterbacks play out. I'm just like personally invested now. I'm like <laughs> just I'm I'm curious how my evaluations will translate to the NFL. You know, I'm always curious to see how that, that plays out. Yeah, we were um, we were actually out of the country for when Flacco got drafted. So that oh, was really? uh, yeah, and uh, actually all of them for that matter. I I I, I at least was staying. I was in the hotel looking at it for uh for the Ray Rice pick. Mm-hmm. But uh but uh yeah, we were out of the country for Flacco and the whole thing, you know, dropping down then then going back up it was a kind of an oddball situation. For yeah. sure. All right. Uh other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. It could be any topic at all you want to talk about. Franchise building, um, the draft, if you like. This is the time to get in with those kind of topics. I'll get back to you very quickly. And if you want to do a that one play episode. Still lots of opportunity to do that before the uh, exhibition season starts. Exhibition season. The preseason starts. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we're looking forward to that. Alec, thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.